0: It was the scariest day of my life. (laughs) The rampant abuse, um, I mean, it's systemic. It's a systemic problem. People don't want to create that kind of record because that kind of record easily available would be used against an institution in a lawsuit. I'm honestly shocked that they claim to not have that data. That is very, very surprising. Radio silence from the university. All these people are attorneys and they like to split hairs about what's whether it's actually legally defined. What we were advised was to not even print it out and put it in the file. It was totally covered up. These are conscious choices to keep the public in the dark. They put basically lies on their website. Do you feel like students generally knew what happened to Alex? In the general population, no. So it's possible that a school really does not know how many Title Nine cases they've handled in the last three years. That number, right, does not is not readily available. That is possible, yeah. It was incredibly frustrating. We would ask for open records into the investigation, and we simply would get nothing. It is not a well written law. It is a law that that serves the interests of the schools to cloak a lot of information. That is outrageous that they should be denied that information. It would shock people. I I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. It is the perfect crime. Like, I live in L.A. and you couldn't write the script. There isn't uh, a stick big enough to make people follow the law. We're far beyond sugarcoating this. They kind of create a bubble of kind of secrecy around them, whether they intend to or not, because they don't want people to know. I still don't know. But just people don't know. We don't know. I may never know that. We expect secrecy from the Pentagon or the CIA, but not from our universities and our schools. Yet some of the most important information affecting young people today is kept hidden in the vaults of institutions of education. It's not easily found, not publicly available. And that leaves us asking a lot of questions, one of which is simple. Why don't we know? Over the next dozen or so episodes, we are trying to figure that out. From the University of Florida's Breckner Center for Freedom of Information, I'm Sarah Gannam. This is season one of Why Don't We Know, the podcast that dives deep into data and comes out with real stories. I've never met a single person who wasn't shaped and influenced tremendously by their experience in school. Good or bad, or most likely a mix of both. What happens in classrooms lays the foundation for the rest of our lives. It informs so much of what we do once we're out in the so-called real world. As a new parent, I think back on my education a lot. I think about people who influenced me, where I thrived, and also missed opportunities, places where I should have learned better lessons. And I think about how scary it will be to send my daughter off to school, but also how it really shouldn't be that way. When my daughter takes her first steps down a school hallway, she will be going to a place with decades of historical knowledge about raising and teaching kids. It's not just a single person who I'm trusting, it's an institution. Years and years of learning, of knowledge. That one would hope would collectively inform good decisions, what works and what doesn't, and what keeps kids safe. That's the way it should be. Over the years, I've covered so many heartbreaking stories, but the ones that happened within places of education were the most frustrating. They all had this common theme, they were never surprising. In so many cases, there were warnings, so many times there were parents and students who had come before, who had vowed, never again. And yet, here I was, writing the same story another time. In 15 years as a journalist, I have come to know one constant. Where there is darkness, there are problems. Secrecy is rarely on the side of the good guys. And boy, is there a lot of secrecy in education. CNN Sarah Gannon joins me now uh, here in studio in Sarah Conyers. But another prominent Democrat who is also facing accusations. After my daughter was born, I knew that I probably was not going to return to my job in cable news. I got a call from an old source, Frank Lamonti, who runs the Breckner Center for Freedom of Information at the University of Florida. On that phone call that day, back in the spring of 2019, he told me about a project he wanted to launch, looking at something called data deserts. What's a data desert, you say? good question. I guess the best way to explain it is this. It's an absence of meaningful information about a subject that common sense tells you the government should be tracking, measuring, and disclosing. But it's not. Frank and I started making a list of data deserts, and we started to notice a pattern. So many of them exist in the world of education. Narrowing them down felt like we were tossing good stories out the window. So instead, we took on all of them. We filed more than 700 public records requests, divided up across the country with both public universities and also state departments of education. And then we waited. We waited for the responses. Hey, this is Joseph Hastings. My name is Jessica Crabello. Hi, I'm Camille Raspis. I'm with the Breckner Center for Freedom of Information. I'm currently working on a podcast right now where we are. With the help of a team of about a dozen amazing reporters here at the Journalism School at UF, we analyzed the data and started talking to people. Originally, I thought maybe we could curate some of this data that isn't easily accessible. But there were so many roadblocks and so much inconsistency that we found bigger and more compelling stories in explaining why this data does not exist, why you can't easily get it. We found so many eye-opening stories that we ended up with more than 15 episodes. Episodes about real people lost in a vacuum of data. This is Why Don't We Know. Before we begin, I want to say, this was a year-long project that started well before anyone could have possibly predicted that a worldwide pandemic would threaten in-person classes for this coming school year. Many of the things we talk about, like sports for example, may be on hold if we're in a Zoom-only world for a bit longer. But this also feels like a great opportunity to take a step back and reflect. If we're going to pause this year on in-person education, let's also think about how we can do better. We're hoping you'll listen with that in mind.